What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. Once a, once a day, every day, Monday through Friday, for all of eternity. It will never end. <laughs> um, I enjoy doing it. It's fun. I get to talk to my friends like Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports NFL Insider. What's up, man? What's going on, dude? Hey, I, I, I meant to ask you this. I was going to say off camera, but whatever. I don't know. Pre-recording. Off air. But in the in your new profile picture on Twitter, <laughs> which I, which I'm assuming was taken during the probably early in the in the Patriots Chargers game, uh-huh. are you in fact wearing loafers? Uh, I will tell you in one second. Prob- I mean, pro- you know what? I think they are. I think they're actually. Uh, uh, I thought am- they were loafers. I think they're. No, you can't see my shoes. You could barely tell, but I just had a loafer vibe. I'm, th- I'm like, I'm wearing. I don't um, think he's wearing tennis shoes or trainers or running shoes or whatever people call them in your neck of the woods. <laughs> they look like what I would refer to as dress shoes. Uh, my uh, my mother in law bought me some for Christmas. Bought me some Amazon Basics uh, men's uh, like uh, slippers, and they sort of. I've worn them out. Like I've worn them in the car because I've been running to the car and, I, and I'm like, oh, yeah. crap! I forgot to change out of these. Like, put oh, I wear slippers in the car all the time to pick my kids up and stuff. I don't care. No, 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 no. But I, I wear I wear them like the grocery store and I wear them to like ninety nine nine oh, the local radius. That's ambitious. Yeah, I mean you can't really tell the difference and they're really comfortable and really warm. So I'm, I just push the limits with them and I'm, I'm pretty sure I was wearing those. That you were picture, wearing those. The Twitter picture was actually taken uh, during the Ravens Chargers game. That's why I don't oh, okay. look completely distraught. But, uh, yeah, that, that game, the, the, the Patriots Chargers game, man, and we'll, let's, we can dive right into the games and we'll come back and we'll talk about Kyler Murray and Antonio Brown. Cause I, I'm curious what you thought about it. The, the, I mean, to me, it all came down to coaching and the, the yeah. Patriots just out coached the Chargers and the Chargers well, coaches acted they like they beat the they have to beat the snot out of them, though. I that mean, was, you know, Sean it was, cussed it was the reverse of the Ravens game. I mean, the yeah, Ravens, yeah. what the Chargers did to the Ravens conceptually, schematically, and physically is exactly, to a large degree, what New England did to them. New England made the adjustments the Ravens never did. They went heavy. They road-graded them. They ran right at Bosa. They wham-blocked people. They, they, played, they played with physicality. And with purpose, and they tacked that those ends in a way that the Ravens refused to with jumbo packages and heavy personnel, and they screened them to death, which the Ravens refused to do. Um, they used tight ends in the power run game, and they set things up off of that, and they really didn't have to take any deep shots or prove how cute they were because they <laughs> they just they just mauled them. Um, it's again that the, the Chargers D line, everything they did to the Ravens, they had done back to them. By the Patriots, and just like Marty Morningweg, uh, who his final game coaching the Ravens was that debacle. Mm. Just like how he was incredibly stubborn and/or stupid and refused to budge. Boy, Gus Bradley, man, you'd think at thirty-five-seven he might have been like, <laughs> even if we don't love our linebackers without Perryman and with a couple guys dinged up, I'm not going to let them just run through my seven defensive backs like they have been. Like I'm going to adjust personnel, but nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Live by the sword, die by the sword. The um, so the Chargers had the, the the Patriots had one pass attempt over twenty yards down the field, and I think in that same vein, what was really frustrating if you were rooting for the Chargers as I was, um, the the Chargers had nine attempts twenty yards or more down the field. I get you're playing catch up, but to me, so much of what Los Angeles did 
was like designed against a team that was playing cover two or like they, they, they weren't, they weren't changing what they did offensively. Well, no, but the, the problem was Belichick took Wink Martindale's blitzes and said, yeah, you know, they lost that game, but boy, they beat the crap right, out right. of rivers in LA by blitzing him. And you know what? Um, they, they still did a pretty good job of moving him off the spot. It was a lot of field goals and not touchdowns. Right. Yeah. So we're going to do that. And <laughs> they dialed it up and, you would think the Chargers would have tried to screen them to death, yes! but they didn't. They were going for five and seven step drops um, against what is the strength of the that Patriots team, the secondary. Yeah, it was so, it was wild. It man. was bizarre, man. It was bizarre. The uh, by the way, uh, great stat. I don't know if I mentioned this previously on the podcast. If I did, I apologize. But uh, via Scott Van Pelt on his uh, Sports Center show. Tom Brady, 20 of 24 for 261 yards and a touchdown against seven defensive backs in the first half. Do something. God. I mean, like, what was really infuriating was the Chargers then, like, they at least had, like, 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever to go into halftime and <laughs> say, okay. No, that's what I said, 35-7. You'd think they would have ah. they would have been stubborn enough. That's why if I'm John Harbaugh watching that game, I'd have to be – I'd be fuming because what what – what that told you was if the and, and the Ravens carry four tight ends, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and the Ravens use tackle eligible a fair amount. They just didn't in that game. Like the, he had to be sitting there saying, "My God, if we would have adjusted, they would have never got out of it." You know what I mean? Like if we would have just tried to outmuscle them and like we got all our beef on the field and ran at Bosa, this dude would have stuck with seven DBs no matter what. Like yep. we would try to force them out of that in their base, and even if we're winning, they were going to keep that as their base because that's just how they were going to go down. Like it had to be doubly infuriating for you know what was left, Greg Roman and, and John Harbaugh. Yeah, and and like if you listen to what people, there's an article on uh, by Robert Mays on the Ringer, and um, oh guys, the running Rams running back coach is I, I'm just I'm drawing a blank on his name, um, but I'll tell you in a second. But anyway, he was like he's like, look, our goal is you know we come out in this uh, eleven personnel. And the goal is to get you out of your base defense as fast yeah. as possible. And and it works yeah, every we time. We want to force you to change yeah. your base and dictate to you now what personnel groups and groupings we want. And the Ravens never even tried to force them out of it. And New England did everything they possibly could to force them out of them. They just refused to relent yeah. and get out of it. And, again, I do think part Aaron, of it is – Aaron Cromer, by the way. Sorry. Aaron Cromer, yeah, yes. part of it was the, 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 the deficiencies of their line. As much as we talked about the injuries and guys who were out and is Gordon going to play and how effective will he be and Eckler and these guys, the loss of Perriman was huge. They had a rookie linebacker who was starting for them the first four or five weeks on the weak side who they lost for the year, and they never really found replacements. So it's not so much you know that it was just them saying, 90-90 boo-boo, we figured out the smartest thing in the world. It was somewhat dictated by situations. But at some point, you, you've got to put different personnel on the field and at least try to switch it up. And, and they never did. And the other thing about if you're going to have seven, seven DBs on the field and it's going to be about speed and twitchiness, then – Dude, you, you, at some point where, where they never like, let's bring numbers. Yeah. Like, like, let's, okay, let's blitz three of those seven, you know, for bleeps and giggles. And maybe we'll make this dude get off the spot because we're not getting home with four because it's four against six because they're max protecting. You know what I mean? And Gronk's blocking, like, basically Gronk blocked so well, he was like an extra tackle. And then sometimes they did have an extra tackle in there. And it seemed to me like Devlin was in on every snap. Did it not seem that way to you? Yep. So, you know, two tight ends and a fullback on the field all the time against seven DBs. Well, maybe we better just try to blitz them then. Yeah, it's, it was, that's, it was just coaching 101. And that, that's what I, I missed on all my picks last week because I got too cute and I like these trendy underdogs. But the reality is that the better coaches, 
<clears throat> excuse me, and the better quarterbacks won. How do you think this translates for the Patriots to the Chiefs? Because if 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 they try and pull the you know, the, the zero, the zero, cover zero blitz everybody at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I get that he's never uh, seen that full force, but Andy Reid will just screen the hell no, out of they, him. No, look, yeah. it's, it's, it's horses for courses. They don't, I mean, Mahomes is yeah. going to be about containing. I think it'll be a four man rush, um, you know, sometimes almost like a, might even be a three. And it's just, it's, they're not even really rushing. It's <laughs> like a must rush to just contain him. You know what I mean? They just keep him in the pocket. It's going to be about, not letting him do all the stuff on the run. I mean, the reason you could unload your arsenal against Rivers is he can't move. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. you're, he, there is no worry that he's going to slide step and then run for 30 yards or slide step, get out, you know, run to the opposite hash mark, throw across his body 65 yards the other way before we can get there. That That is <laughs> very much the worry with this guy. So I think – I think from a defensive standpoint, the Patriots completely reinvent themselves. And I mean, dude, it wouldn't shock me if the Patriots have seven DBs out there sometimes. Like, mm. wouldn't shock me. Mm. Um, the other side of it, I, I do think some of the stuff the Patriots did in the run game last week reminded me of some of the stuff that the Ravens have been doing recently. And you, I think you can run on Kansas City's ends a little bit the way they ran on the 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 uh the chargers ends so i, I don't know I, I would think d ford is going to see a whole lot of uh rob gronkowski and assorted bulky males <laughs> so trying to trying to systematically plow through him for four quarters i i i do think some of that stuff um will work the same now jones in the middle is a completely different scenario and he's going to blow things up in the run game that the Chargers just weren't able to, um, you know, some of those dives and and uh, some of those draws that that went right up the the a gap, with, and, and and you know allowed the Patriots to find some joy that way. I'm not sure if that stuff will be there, um, but I, I do think that ball control, you know, approach the first couple of drives where it was about long, you know, prolonged drives, and I do think that death by a thousand paper cuts mentality. You know, I think that's where Josh will be. I think that's where his his headspace will be, calling that game. You know what I mean? And that it, it it may not be another one with a whole lot of deep shots. That may not be what they need. You know, um, might not be how they roll. Even though the Chiefs have given up a lot of big plays, um, I, it may be a situation where they exert their will and Brady is absolutely methodically cunning. You know, from five to twenty five yards. And they hold on to the ball, and they have these 15-play drives, and they frustrate Mahomes a little bit. And, you know, that that might be the way to go. Mm. How much do you think the weather factors into this? So we're, there's a uh, there's some fun uh, meteorolo- meteorological terms um, that are they're coming out. There's a art Tundra quote- is involved in it, right? A what? Tundra blast or something like uh, that? Arctic blast. An Arctic, Arctic an Arctic blast could. Uh, I saw one guy for I think it's like weathermodels.com is projecting the the Arctic blast. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it's like it's almost like Independence Day or like some science fiction movie. But it's like right. going to be centered over Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday night. Just <laughs> like torching the torching. I mean, it's conjured up by Bill Belichick, of course. Also, I don't know if you know this. This is even more exciting. Sunday night's AFC Championship game between the Pats and the Chiefs is going to coincide with a total lunar eclipse. It is called really? a, a super blood wolf moon, and the eclipse will take know. place during the first supermoon of 2019. 
8.36 p.m. Central Time, which would be like, I mean, right about halftime, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so that should be pretty exciting. Or maybe, maybe second half, I guess, because it's scheduled for 5.40 p.m. Uh, Central. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's kind of, uh, how much do you think? I don't think the wolf, the super blood wolf moon, <laughs> which is going to be a good name of a band. I don't think that's going to matter too much, but this Arctic blast and cold temperatures, it, I mean, yeah. it has to favor the yeah. Patriots, right? I guess. I mean, they've, they've have more experience in, in playing January football, I guess, than a lot of the Chiefs do and experience with the extreme cold. Um, at this point, I'm just like waiting for like ice balls to be falling from the sky or like frozen daggers of ice just dropping like right from above. Is that possible? Is that in sure. that nobody has predicted that? From the wolf moon. From ice, ice from daggers the from the wolf moon. I mean, they're wearing helmets. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. They can't get killed by that, I wouldn't think, unless they're like dropped from really far away. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, what are they talking temperature? Like, what does the Arctic blast mean? Does it, I mean, does that imply wind or it just means, like, crazy cold temperatures? I think just crazy cold temperatures. Uh, the the guy I saw, the, the the weather models guy, said he would put the over-under right now, if he had to guess, for the temperature, kickoff temperature at 4.5 degrees. Wow. Yeah, it's cold. By the way, I looked it up. The Patriots, wow. I don't understand how this is possible the Patriots have only played one playoff game at under 10 degrees I feel I feel like it like when I looked it up I thought it was gonna say like 25 games under 10 I mean dude under 10 under 10 is I really mean, cold don't get me wrong but if, that's I don't, pretty cold like that's really cold yeah it's really cold I but I'm just saying but I mean how many days a year on average like Boston Massachusetts number of days a year under ten degrees, I don't. I mean, it's not. It's not like Minnesota or Winnipeg. You know what I mean? Or like even Chicago, where you get the wind and stuff. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I mean, I went to school in Syracuse. I mean, we got a lot of congrats on your uh... snow and stuff. I don't remember like a whole lot. Of, I mean, it was cold. Like it's in the twenties all the time in the teens. But like, I don't remember a whole lot of days like seven degrees. Um. But then again, I don't remember much about college anyway. I don't, I don't either. By the way, so <clears throat> gosh, excuse me, I'm coughing like uh, so. Five games since 19 since the merger at Arrowhead Stadium have been 10 degrees or below. The last that's one, not that many. No, that's not that many. That's in Kansas City. I wouldn't expect. I mean, isn't, isn't it colder in New England than Kansas City? Am I crazy? I think. I think. I think Kansas City is colder than Boston. On average, I think because you're like you're on the plains, yeah, right? And do you have like so. a jet stream? I mean, now I'm just totally talking out of my ass. But like, I do <laughs> As think it would be to colder normal. there. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that stadium. There's not much around it. Like Gillette's built up a little bit more around it. I just feel like there's a little bit more to break the wind, except for the open end. And you know what I mean? I don't know. It's close to the water, so doesn't that make it a little more temperate? Like, not quite as extreme? I would, I guess. Um, the right? Co- the coldest. I feel like I learned that. At, like, it changes the air when you're that close to the water, and so it's a little more temperate. And, like, you might get different types of precipitation, but the climate itself is not as extreme. That, look, that makes Like, I, mean... I feel like helping my, you know, my daughter, like, helping her BS her way through a science test, like, in seventh grade <laughs> last year, we were talking about stuff like that. The record low in Massachusetts. Is... Don't go by record. How about the average winter temperature in Kansas City versus average winter temperature in Boston? Temperature, Boston. Let's see. Let's see. Um, 
Wow. Okay. This is all right. So in, in uh, average, this is average. Uh, in December, high of forty-two, low of twenty-eight. It's not that cold. It's cold. No. Uh, January okay. high of 30... what about Kansas City? Okay, so that's, that's Boston. To... Well, ja- but January Boston high of thirty seven, okay. low of twenty two. All right, so, so write that down. So 37, 22. What about Kansas City? Kansas City is. I bet it's colder. Thirty nine twenty two um, so in January. Wash. Interesting. I but I just would have guessed that Kansas City was about the same as um, I, I would have guessed Kansas City was was uh, was was warmer. North Carolina, by the way, Raleigh, where I live. High of 50, low of 30 for January. So, I mean, this is pretty – all right. So, in other words, this is a pretty – if we get this Arctic chill, this cold. is – Cold. Yeah, yeah, this is crazy cold. cold for anybody. Like, this is, like, the kind of cold where, like, it messes with your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the kind of cold where you can't put words together because you're just thinking about how cold it is, much <laughs> less try to execute, you know, an NFL game plan. I mean – I mean, how many of these guys would have experience playing in four four degree weather? Like, I I don't think you know what I mean. Like, there was a there was a there was a game in 2016 in Kansas City against the Titans where it was one degree. Week 15 matchup, the Chiefs geez. lost 19 to 17 in two thousand in December 18, 2016. Um, pre- before that, the lowest record post merger, 1983, they played in a point five degree game and beat, beat the Broncos 48-17. I tend, to, I mean, I trust. Temperatures from the eighties and in, in, in the in the database at Pro Football Reference, but I feel a little more confident in recent ones. Right. Um, and looking at uh, New England, if I can find this, let's see where uh, they played in a um, they played the the Steelers in the two thousand and four AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh, and it was under ten degrees, and they won forty one. Yeah, I was to... at that game. Oh yeah, well there you go. They won forty. You were probably working for the I Post. I covered that game for the Washington Post. Yeah, they um they won forty one twenty seven in a shootout. So do you think? How much do you think that this? Do you think this Arctic blast affects the total scoring? Because the over unders dropped two points. I mean, if it's not windy, I don't, I think it does in the kicking game. I think it shortens mm. both teams' kicking game. I mean, my experience talking to players about this over the years is. It affects special teams. The ball's, you know, hard. It's harder to throw deep balls, I guess, because the ball's so, so the molecules, you know what I mean, are so constricted and the ball's so cold and hard. But they shuffle in and out so many balls. I mean, I think it affects long field goals probably more than anything else. But um, if it's not super windy, they can still check it around. Um, here's, and, all right, here's here's uh, what the, the Google forecast looks like. And by the way, if you Google Kansas City weather right now, number one result, me. Nice. Um, huh? Yeah, if you Google Kansas, oh, story you wrote about the weather. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, you know how to. You know how to. Breach, well, I don't even know. Breach got mad at me. The system. Breach, I guess it's not technically gaming. It's the not system. the system. I'm providing. You know how to write strategic headlines. Yeah, people. Well, that's right. Yeah, Patriots Chiefs weather forecast: colon Arctic blast could hit Kansas City. Breach is mad at me because I wrote the story, and this is probably why. But um. You got in a, we got a big fight yesterday. Anyway, Saturday. What do you mean? He wanted to write that one. You two, you both knew that that was going to be a big like. You knew that that was going to like be a, a get a lot of numbers. I wrote it last week for the Chiefs Colts game, and so I was like, I sent an email saying I'd write it this week, and the breach got mad. It's a whole long stupid story. Anyway, so wait, so you you wanted to claim, you wanted to claim it early, like you wanted this. Yeah, I'm updating it. I'm updating it throughout the week yeah. before you even knew if weather was really going to be an element or not. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, look, I took weather and climate twice at NC State. That's how that's how much I like weather and climate. Uh, also, because I did so really? poorly, I did so poorly the first time. Um, well, I was going to say, but then you should be the one who knows about why 
whether Boston or Kansas City is colder. You would think so, but I, again, I didn't pay attention either time. Um, I didn't, I didn't, Interesting. Yeah. So the, here's the, the weather is snow on Saturday in Kansas City. Um, 90% chance of precipitation right now. And we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so this can all change very quickly. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to happen in the morning, die off in the afternoon. Sunday is supposed to be clear and cloudy with a high of 13 degrees and a low of 5 degrees. Um, kickoff time, we're looking at about 7 degrees in the, in that range. Very low. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm so glad that we're the late game and it's only a 22-minute pregame show mm-hmm. so like you don't fly everybody all the way out to kansas city for a 22 are you going show, to kansas you know what I mean? oh you're like, oh you'd be going if, if this it was had the been early. the early game we yeah. may have done the nfl today on the road oh, and boy. we'd be sitting on the field at you know oh, 11 a.m kansas city time oh. that would not have been fun the temperature at 11 a.m kansas city time is supposed to be one degree <laughs> <laughs> uh 10 yeah. chance of rain only nine miles an hour wind so it could be cold. I think that this favors if, if if that's what happens. I think it favors Kansas City, but that's just me. Yeah, I have no, I have, I have no clue. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows. Um, okay, let's. Uh, what about the other game? Chiefs. Uh, it's going to be climate control. Yeah, no, no, no weather. I told John he could write. Who's the, writing? Let's read the weather. Let's write the NFC. He'll NFC murder. He will. Story. If I jump into Slack right now and be like, "Hey, Breach, you can you can write the Saints." Rams weather story. He'll be so mad. You know what is weird and, and says a lot about how stupid human beings are. And don't get me wrong, I'll probably write it next in two weeks. But um, S- Super Bowl weather stories for dome Super Bowl games do really well, traffic wise. Isn't that nuts? What? Yeah, people are interested in the weather of the Super Bowl what, weather. Like whether they keep it at sixty-seven. No, or no, no. 71? Like, like the mean, weather, climate control. Like the weather outside the dome. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I guess when it was in that year it was in Minnesota. I mean, I or, can understand why. Or Dallas when there was uh, all the ice and stuff like that. Uh, when it's like Houston and it's just not everybody manned up and attacked the snow in Minnesota the way I did. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did attack the snow. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I got after that snow. <laughs> Come on, snow. Uh, all right, so Rams and uh, Rams and Saints. I thought again, coaching mattered to me yeah. in that game. Sean Payton had the huevos for the fake punt. Yes. All the fourth and two. Were you surprised by it? Because I wasn't. No, like, I was. I was surprised they punted. I thought he was just going to go I for it. I was on the train and I'm like watching it on my phone, and I was like, "Fake, fake, fake." You know, because you got the headphones on loud. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was the obnoxious guy. Who did, like you know what I mean? Like I wasn't like obnoxious on the phone guy. It was like obnoxious watching something with earbuds guy, and now you're speaking at a decibel level to yourself that wouldn't even be really acceptable as a whisper, and you're yelling it. And, like, people were looking at me like, he's saying fake news? Like, what is that guy talking about? But, like, I just – I smelt it. Like, I – for Sean, the way that game was going, and, like, it, I'm surprised that Philadelphia didn't take the penalty. I would – I mean, and I'm I not saying too. this I Monday know. morning quarterback. Yeah. They were suffocating them defensively. You know, I was I, – I, I, boy, oh, boy. I, I, 33-yard line, 34, and knowing Taysom Hill, you know what I mean, is the personal protector who can do whatever he wants with the ball on a short snap. I was surprised. I, I was surprised that that was a surprise, if that makes sense. No, no, no. I, I was – when because I, I understand why you don't give Sean Payton an extra third down to play with, given you know, that you have Drew Brees and all that. But if you give Sean Payton fourth and short, you are begging yeah. your team to try and stop a fourth and short. And I don't think that's what Doug Peterson wanted to do, because if he did want to do that, he would have put everybody on the line to stop the potential right. fake. I would have rushed the punt, figuring, okay, well, if they snap it to the up man, you know what I mean? Yeah, We're going to yeah. smother him. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, would have, it would have been like a, the equivalent of a run blitz. You know what I mean? I would have yeah, been like, uh, all right. 
I don't think that Doug Peterson got out coached or anything. I thought he did a good job. The I think the Eagles were undermanned and um yeah. and, and the Nick Foles magic just kind of wore off. Uh I thought Sean McVay out coached uh, oh, Jason God, yeah. Garrett. So how do you think that matchup goes, McVay versus You know what, Peyton? though? He can't outclap. He Jason can't. Garrett. He can't. Uh, I, 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 if they got in a clapathon, <laughs> I think Jason would outlast him. I don't know if you noticed, but over the last month, I think Jason Garrett's he's, been. He's, he, he's, yeah, he got the memo. He's stopped clapping. Like J- Jerry Jones has been reading about it, or like Rich Dalrymple, or somebody at the Cowboys yeah. has read about it. It's like, hey, listen. He got the memo. Because they, they showed him walking after that first playoff win. Um, over the Seahawks, they showed him walking back to the locker room. The camera caught him, and he had one hand jammed in his pocket. And it was like, yeah. it was like, why is he jamming? What is the sound of one hand clapping? <laughs> no, but like he had one hand he, in his. He, had one hand, so. he was probably clapping though. In like, can you hear that? Are you picking up that ambient sound? He was probably doing that, like in his pocket. I think he had it jammed in his pocket so he wouldn't be clapping on the way back Just to the, the locker yeah. room. So, the, yeah. like, and he's been like, and he's been grinning the whole time because he knows that the camera's on him and he's not clapping. It's, it's the whole thing's weird. Well, he's not gonna have to worry about that for a while. Um, oh well, oh, well uh, is so what's the deal on him? Getting, he's getting an extension, right? I don't know about that. I don't know about that part. Wait, wait, I mean, he's got a contract for next year. I don't think he'll be fired. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, you don't think he'll be fired? I feel like Jerry's about to roll out the red carpet. No, nah, I mean, he's not going to be fired, but, like, I, I don't think he's getting a real extension. What's, what, is Jay, what is Jerry Jones going to give him? Like, could he get a – remember the year Rex Ryan got an extension? Like, but it was – you know what I mean? It wasn't much guaranteed and basically – it was just to stop people talking about him being a lame duck. I mean, Mike McCarthy got an extension. I mean, it was a one year. I mean, it was it was a faux extension. It ended up being real because he called their bluff, didn't take any of these jobs, and now they got to pay him twice as what they're playing, paying Matt Lafleur to hang out with his high, you know, with his kids in high school, and be in Green Bay. Uh, but no, I don't think he's getting no. I don't like like what Pete Carroll just got is an extension. I don't think so. You that's don't in the so, J- for Jason so Jason Garrett's not getting some. Five I don't think he's getting three years, thirty-three million. No. Oh. Okay. I sort of thought. I don't he even was. know. I mean, could they tack a year or two on a year plus an option or something? I mean, maybe. But. So you think Jason? You think Jerry Jones is still in exploratory fashion? I mean, he. Why? Why does he need to make that commitment to this? Like, where is Jason Garrett gone? I mean, no. Where is he going? Jerry Jones said. Yeah. All right, well, I'll, let me ask you this, because I wrote about this today. He um, he said, J- Jason Garrett would have had five, off- five offers. I know that. I know that if he was a free agent right now. Okay. But I do think when you look at the teams, the Bengals, Cardinals, and Dolphins would have hired him, right? Maybe? Bengals I and- mean, Bengals I guess, but would he be going there? Like, is that what he – you know what I'm saying? Like, takes two to tango. Like, if he got fired this year, I don't think he would have jumped to the head of the class. I don't think he'd be willing to do what Jim Caldwell's doing right now. Mm. And I think he would have taken Jerry's money for a year and then seen what would have happened. Mm. Because he wasn't going to Green Bay. He's not, he, wasn't, he wouldn't be going to Cleveland. I don't see him in New York. Dan, I mean, who's, what, were you Marie Scott Linehan to work with Sam Bradford? Good luck with Sam Darnold. <laughs> I keep wanting to call him Sam Bradford. Uh, you know, no. So, I, I look. Will they will they do something to get people to stop talking about a lame duck year? Probably. Is is he going to empower Jason? Look, dude, Jason Garrett doesn't control the fit. What does he control anyway? He doesn't even control his own staff. Like I mean, he doesn't control his own hands. <laughs> but no, I mean honestly, like we've talked about this for years. Okay, it's the path of least resistance for the owner to basically do as he wants unto the roster, unto the locker room, and unto the sidelines. He, 
They're very comfortable with that. So, no, he's not firing Jason after they just went to the playoffs. Will, will they eventually force the offensive coordinator out? If not before the season, then very early next season when they're a pedestrian vanilla offensive team again? Sure, that's probably coming at some point. Is Jason going to get a massive contract extension? I don't think so. Will they tack a year on and then maybe a fake year after that? Probably because not many people in the NFL coach out lame duck years. Right. Although if I was John Harbaugh, I absolutely would. Hmm. Okay. All right. That interesting. I, I mean, I just sort of was treating it as, well, Jason won a bunch of games. He won the division, won a playoff game. Here's some money, Jason. Don't worry about it. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, do you think that Jason, Jerry Jones is going to spend the offseason making his players rich? Like giving Dak Prescott and yes. Amari Cooper and yes. Tank Lawrence all contracts? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cause all those, those guys all want a lot of money. Like Lawrence is going to no, come they in. all, I mean, uh, well, one of them absolutely does. One of them did well enough in a short sample size to force their hand, given what they gave up for him. The other one, I would be playing that out, but he won't. I mean, he, Jerry won't. He'll, 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 he'll pay, pay Dak. Too. Right, yeah. So um, Yeah. And Lawrence is going to get yeah. $20 million plus a year. Yeah, or you just franchise him again. Either way, I'm not letting him leave the building. Right, exactly. He's not going to hit true free agency. Okay. No. Um to the uh, Saints and Rams, do you think? How do you think that play? What, what are your what's your initial reaction? Wait, wait, and by the way, what was your what do you think is going to? I mean, just do you think who do you think wins, Chiefs or Patriots? Since I won't talk to you before the games. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning to the Patriots right now. Plus three, that's a good lock. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the points as of right now. I'll be interested to see if that moves up or down, um, depending on weather or whatever other factors. You know where how the money comes in. I, I, my hunch is like every, you know, America, you know what I mean? Like a square America was down on the Patriots last week, right? Oh, and buying dude. the Chargers because every, of what the Chargers did to the Ravens. Everybody right? was on the Chargers. And everybody. so now the team that the squares were down on destroyed the team that the squares were up on. So wouldn't like my philosophy 101 tell me that New England getting points that line, like if I like New England, I'm getting my bet in early because there's going to be a lot of people probably betting New England getting points and that that line will change by Sunday. Uh, you mean in theory, won't the Patriots eventually be plus two and a half instead of plus three? Or plus two, yeah. Yeah, probably. Because, and if you look at the, um, the line is juiced to the Patriots right now at, at, at one, they might just leave it at three. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that mainly because, um, it might just push. Well, yeah, you, yeah, and you, you want to be careful. You don't want to open yourself up to Chiefs minus two and a half. Although they basically have, because of the the way that the the juice is, like you can buy the Chiefs to two and a half at minus one twenty right. and deal with it. Um, on, on the actionnetwork.com, dot com, the by the Patriots Chiefs is twice, nearly twice as twice as much bet. They've had they're they're tracking like eleven thousand three hundred bets versus six thousand three hundred bets for the Rams and the and the Saints. Fifty three percent of the bets are on the Chiefs, and fifty two percent of the money is on the Chiefs. So it's a fairly even setup. Huh. And, and this again, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. You know, a lot we're not uh, like uh, these lines aren't going to move tremendously. So I don't think a lot of people have their like. I don't think you've seen the the, the big hitters go out there and lay their they haven't put their bets in yet. right yeah. exactly yeah. Um, so who would you lean? So what do you think about Saints Rams? I'll ask, I, I just, sorry, I keep derailing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's like we we keep getting away from talking about this game. That's fine. Um, it's, it's a rambling podcast. I I lean to the Saints. Um, 
I, I do. Uh, With the they points, too, the or, just, than they or, just, did last or week. just straight up? You know, they're going to have to be more balanced. They can't have one of these um, sort of lumbering, slumbering first halves on offense that they've been accustomed to. Um, and the loss of Sheldon Rankins is significant. I mm. mean, it is really, really big. And I'm sure Sean McVay will test the interior of that D-line right away in ways that he would not be nearly as uh, aggressive doing if Rankins was in there plugging, plugging up things and, and getting in the face of his quarterback. But I, I do think the home field advantage is real. I do think you can get to Jared Goff and get him a little bit worried. And I, I think that Sean will go down swinging. You know what I mean? I think he'll tell Dennis Allen, empty it. You know, let's see what this kid's made of. Play the run on the way to the quarterback, and let's see mm. if we can rattle this kid early. And they, they might be able to, mm. you know? Yeah. They, they might be able to. Um, that defense has gotten a lot better as the season's gone on. Um, you know, I think, I think that's the best defense left in the playoffs, I think, is the Saints defense. That is... Yeah, I would agree with that. And what's, I think it's a huge help too that I think people are probably sleeping on a little bit is they get to play the Rams. This is their second time playing the Rams. So all yeah. that, I mean, and they beat them, of course, 45-35 in, in week nine at home in a game that wasn't on primetime. It was the, I think, Fox game of the week. Uh, they were seven and one and eight and one at the time. Man, that was a, it was a great game. It was one of the best games of the yeah. year, sort of flying well, under the, the radar. Beat the snot at them for a half, and then the Rams came running, roaring back in a way that the Saints didn't expect, and then they they were able to put them away late. Yep. But 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 my point of that is like in that game, Todd Gurley had 13 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. That's not the so like you have the Saints who were able to slow down the rushing attack of the Rams, who have seen all the stuff like the the Cowboys didn't know what the hell they were doing against. Against all the jet sweeps and the and the motions and, yeah. the, and I mean like their their linebackers were perplexed and the Rams were just opening up holes. Now I think that um, the Rams' offensive line is good enough where it can open up holes against the Saints. And Sheldon Rankins, yeah. you're right, definitely hurts. But I, I think the experience of having seen that McVay offense is a big big plus for the Saints. Yeah, look, I, I think Sean McVay knows he's got to win this game with his running backs. I don't think Jared Goff's winning this game for him. Jared Goff's never played uh, on the road in the, in the playoffs. I mean, this yeah, is, I mean, this is, he's going to ask Jared Goff to manage the game. And I think – I wonder how much they become run-run pass. You know what I mean? Mm. Just because he's going to really know that if this quarterback – if it's third and six or more, we're in trouble. Mm. In this environment against this defense, it, it, could, be, it could be ugly. Yeah. Which, you know what I mean, I don't think is normally how Sean McVay would approach a game. But, you know, horses for courses and, you know, a 60-minute season, I, I just wonder how much of the approach is is set up that way. Um, it's it's going to be, it, you know, I, I tend to think it's oddly low scoring, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's I don't o- think it's thirty five forty five. That's for darn sure. The over unders in these both these games is is surprising because like the team the four teams combined for one hundred sixty one points before the you know right. in their in their two regular season matchups and of course the Chiefs and the Rams had even more points than that. Yeah, and the over under is fifty seven uh, and and fifty five and. The Saints Rams opened up at fifty six, moved up quickly in like in like thirty minutes to fifty seven. Um, back when the first time they played. The over/under started at sixty, 
and fell down to 57 and a half. I just think you're going to see, like you talk about with McVay, I don't think McVay is going to be in a hurry to score and give the ball back to Drew Brees in that no, offense. And no, I, don't th- I, I think the tempo that these teams play at is 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 going to be closer to methodical than it is um, frenetic. You know, I, I, I think from both sides it's going to be a bit of a, a you know, a, a counterpunch kind of game and try to dictate things physically. I, I don't know, even with the fast track and perfect conditions and it's always a good day to chuck the ball around in the dome. I mean, I, I think it comes down to the two the, the two running backs on both sides and who who has who creates the more explosive plays, um, you know, who breaks the most tackles. I, I, I think it's kind of a weirdly, oddly, maybe going to be a throwback game in that regard. Mm, interesting. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll hit some news. Anger out sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so Antonio Brown, still on the trading block, right, Jason? Still. Uh... Well, I wouldn't even say he's really on the trading block yet because they're not. I mean, at this point, you've got a seven-month off-season or whatever. I mean, God, when is what? What is this? January, February, March, <laughs> yeah. April, May, June, July, August. We've got seven months until they play a football game that matters. Right. So, I mean, I expect. All, I mean, the Steelers basically at this point. I mean, they've had. This is a weird off season for them. They usually expect to still be playing football. You know what I mean? In the sure. mid-January. Yeah. So they've had guys take vacations. They've pushed some of their personnel meetings back. They've got a little more time than normal. Um, and now that their owner has basically sent the bat signal up, like, come and get this guy. Um, you know, I, I think that it becomes a bit of a feeding frenzy at the Combine. I think they leave Indianapolis with uh, a pretty good idea of where he's going to go, or at least 
which three or four teams, there's going to be a lot of teams that are in it. You know what I mean? But what three or four teams are like in it, in it right. and seem super motivated and keep calling back and calling back and calling back or, you know, meeting us in, in this hotel lobby or with this restaurant or whatever. So I, I think we're a month away from it, really. Um, I don't think this is going to be like the Kirk Cousins deal, you know what I mean, where it was done at the Super Bowl. I don't think the Steelers are even really um, going to start pushing the issue until we get to the combine. At this point, you know what I mean, nobody's going to be in their building. You know, like it's not like Antonio Brown's going to, you know, come in and mess up a Wednesday press press conference <laughs> or something. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. he's going to be down in Florida. It is what it is. Everybody said their piece. He can have the fun he wants to have on social media, but I don't feel like this is something they feel like has to be resolved, you know, right now. Yeah, and I mean, all right, okay, so like you like you said, they have time to work with it. His roster bonus isn't due until March. They you know, the combine right. they have yeah. tons of time. I mean, do you think do you think at this point, given what you've reported on, what Art Rooney has said, a trade is like a trade is happening barring just no one giving them anything good? Oh yeah, they're gonna not like they're gonna trade. Like if the only, if he's not traded, it's because they pass you know, things he up. He has or... a love letter to ownership. He has a, uh, a crisis of conscience or whatever, and calls up Art or you know Art Rudy or flies to Pittsburgh and shows up at his front door. You know what I mean? Head in hand and says, "I messed this up, man, but I think we can put it back together." And, you know, he starts calling Ben and, you know, calling Tomlin and being contrite, like doing a lot of things that don't seem reasonable or feasible at this point. But that's that's what it would take. Short of something like that happening, then, you know, they let it be known at the combine. We want, you know, at least the equivalent of a first-round pick for him. And, and it might be, you know, a, might be a pick and two players or a – Two high picks or whatever, you know. We'll see what the market will bear, and I, I think there. I think it could. Be, I mean, all the guy does there. Look, I understand he's a headache. Yada yada yada. Not a great teammate, but you know how it is. Guys need to change the scenery sometimes. I'm not condoning anything he's done. I've documented it since training camp. It's troublesome, but maybe a different locker room and a different culture and a different type of discipline will bring out the best in him. For you know, an average of what, 12 touchdowns a year and over 100 catches a year and yeah. 1,400 yards is a down year. I know he's going to be 31, but he's a physical specimen. He doesn't show any signs of slowing down, and I can rent them at $13 million a year for three years. Pay as you go with no guarantees and no balloon payments and no cap ramifications. Who doesn't want that? Who yeah. couldn't use that? I mean, the, the, I think the obvious comparison, if I went back and tried to find a good one in history, and the only one that really comes close is maybe the Randy Moss thing, um, because of the contract he had, because of his status, because of the reasons he ticked people off. But I think Moss is a different animal psychologically. Like, he got to Oakland, he's like, man, this, this sucks. I'm out. But like, if, yeah. if he checked Antonio- out on Sunday too, like this guy checks out in the middle of the week, like yeah. literally checks out, but then wants to come and ball on Sunday, yeah. you know, and even wanted to in week 17. Yeah. And they finally had had enough. Like, and, and with Antonio Brown too, I think if he goes and Brian, you know, Ryan Clark alluded to this, um, you know, I mean, everybody, I mean, like Antonio Brown likes Antonio Brown. That's not, that's fine. I mean, you know, he, yeah. he likes who he, I don't think Antonio Brown would be upset if he, went um four and twelve and caught 
130 passes for 1,500 yards and was considered the best receiver in football on a bad team. Like, I think he'd but be fine thing, though, no, no, I don't think a bad I – mean, he's not, by default, he's not going to end up on a bad team because he's 31. Right, like, right, if right. You're getting, if you're giving up what it takes to get Antonio Brown, you think you're a player away. Yeah. So who, so so like, who would make sense? The worst, quote-unquote, air cap, worst teams would be, to me, like – San Francisco? The 49ers, you yeah. know what I mean? Or the Packers, or – I mean, you can make a case with him on any team. I mean, most any team. I mean, you just could. Where would you, where would you trade him if you were the Steelers? Whoever gives me the most. I, I mean, I'm not trading him to Baltimore, Cleveland, right? Or uh, maybe Cincinnati. New I'll, tra- I'll trade him to Cincinnati, right, but not New England. Yeah. Or Cincinnati, but I'm not even throwing Cincinnati in there because I just don't. Right. It's not really what they do, right. but. Yeah, I mean, they're, look, they're like he would make it. Obviously, you start thinking about where would he make a lot of sense. Cleveland, Baltimore, and New England spring to mind immediately. That's not happening. Yeah, uh, I think he ends up in the NFC. I think all things being equal, unless some AFC team really knocks their socks off. I, I think you look at the Eagles. I think you look at the Seahawks. I think you look at the 49ers. I think you look at the Packers. Um, I mean, and then beyond that, I mean, who who don't you look at? You know what I mean? Like, okay, I don't think the Giants will put him together with Odell. You know what I mean? Like, okay, they're not going to pay two receivers that much. Like, I don't think Dallas is doing it after just trading a one for Mari Cooper. So, like, okay, I'll scratch them off the list. But, like, could Washington use them? You know what I mean? Do they need to give their fans some reason to show up? Like, I mean, it's $13 million. It, for the position, it's a it, the contract has become a bargain. And he's not in a position to demand a new contract because he, he, he bailed on his team three times last year. Right. Nobody's stuffing his pockets with anything additional right now. So, show, I, I, show up, produce, it, and maybe mean, you get paid who later. Doesn't, who doesn't he make sense for in the NFC? Yeah. You know, like, who doesn't? Like, could Detroit use him? Sure. Like, could Chicago use him? Yeah. Like, you know, just start going through the teams. Green Bay? Uh, sure. Um the, you know, out west, Arizona. I mean, they won three games. I don't think it, they're going to trade future ones when they need all these other positions. So I'll rule them out. But like the rest of the division, I mean, I don't think the Rams do it after making the trades they've already made for receivers. But like, would it totally like would it would it shock you if they were in it, picking as low as they are? No, like I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams were in it at all. No, it wouldn't be surprising at all. I mean, they lost Cooper Cup. They've been think... flipping wide receivers out left and right. Like, yeah, you know, just just go through go through the divisions. I mean, Bruce Arians is trying to win right now. I know they're paying Mike Evans a lot of money, but like, you don't think BA would want to throw this? Okay, well, Deshaun's out and Antonio Brown's in. I mean, BA coming from Pittsburgh and everything. Yeah, like, yeah, I would think they would be really interested. Like, could Carolina use them? I don't know. There's a culture fit or whatever, but like, <laughs> it's not. You know, you throw him out there with DJ Moore and, you know what I mean, you trade out whatever, Funchess and bring this guy in. Cam like, Newton, sure, Cam you know? Newton, DJ Atlanta, Moore. Yeah. probably not. Like, they've got other fish to fry. But, like, Sean Payton, I wouldn't rule them out at all. He was trying to get a receiver all year. Wanted Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, dude, could you imagine Michael Thomas and Antonio Brown? No, that'd be terrifying. You've got Thomas cheap for one more year and Brown at 13. I mean, here's the other thing about Brown. It's a completely tradable contract. So as long as you don't give up, like, if you give up a one for him and you only keep him two years and you flip him for a three two years later and you win a Super Bowl in between. You don't blink. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing is it's, 
there's nothing to preclude you. If it doesn't work out, okay, well, maybe we traded a higher, you know, maybe we wish we didn't trade a one for him. And we did, and he wore on his welcome in 18 months. But you probably won a bunch of football games and, and you know, had a high-flying offense while he was there, and you can always flip him on to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, all right, let me ask you really quickly. We'll get out of here. Uh, Kyler Murray, is he gonna? Where is he gonna play? Football or baseball? I, you know, I I think it's football. Um, mm. I think it's football. We had him in studio right after he won the Heisman, and just watching him interact with the guys and off camera, you know, talk, talk me talking to him a little bit and talking to Sims and Tower and those guys. He had a lot of chances to convince a lot of people that he wasn't still um, scratching a significant football itch, and none of us came away thinking he had played his last football game. Um, And then just watching how Boris tried to manage the situation and how quickly he had to backtrack, and then, you know, everything that's happened continues to me to point to that, you know, and then I'm talking to my buddy Ken Rosenthal, and I'm like, can you get an actual copy of the contract? And it turns out he only has to pay $1.1 million back because that's all he's been paid. You know, everybody's talking about 4.6, 4.6. Well, the first installment was 1.1. The second installment's like another 1.1 that comes in late March. If he's already bailed by then, he's not going to get that money, you know? So he's got to pay him $1 million back. But if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, I mean, between just your marketing guarantees and, you know what I mean, your local, you know, your local commercials, and in his case, as a Heisman winner, maybe a couple national commercials – You've made that money back immediately. You're not making that money riding the bus in frickin' Bakersfield and Modesto and, you know what I mean, wherever mm-hmm. the hell else, in Tucson, wherever the hell else the A's other affiliates are. So, you know, I I, I think he's going to go to the Combine, and I think the A's are going to have to deal with it. And if <laughs> things go well at the Combine and he looks like he's going to be a first-round pick, I would think he's going to throw it a pro day and work out for a few teams and – I mean, I I think I, I I think he goes in the first round. If nothing else, I mean, like New England. Let's say New England wins the Super Bowl. New England, and even if Brady stays, or or New England makes the Super Bowl and loses, whatever. Like, would would they like? Might they take him at thirty two or thirty one or wherever they're picking? Mm-hmm. Yes, entirely possible. I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? Um. I mean, they they really like Lamar, you know what I mean. And if Sony Michelle wasn't there, they might have taken Lamar. But they looked, you know, they thought he was somebody who would help them win a Super Bowl right away. And you know what? They might be. They might be right. <laughs> they, That's right. They might yeah. be right. Yeah. Uh, but another year older of Brady and Brady not being quite the MVP this year that he was last year. I mean, who's to say they wouldn't do it? So I think the kid goes to the first 32 picks because you can control them for five years, you know, with the fifth-year option and all that. It just makes sense for people to continue to be trading between 28 and 32 for a quarterback. I think that's, you know, it's going to happen quite a bit. Maybe he goes higher. Maybe he likes the combine up, and, and maybe he goes higher than that. But I think he's got, you've got a chance to be a first-round quarterback. And get 20, you can get $20 million guaranteed. Well, probably probably topping out at eighteen million. No, guaranteed. but if he gets if he goes where Lamar went, he's going to make ten million, like yeah. nine million guaranteed, and you know six six million up front. Bunch of endorsement and it's deals. It's really going to be more than nine million, but you know yeah. what I mean. The full true guarantee at signing will be between nine and ten. Yeah. it's already more than baseball with the chance to start earning right away because you're playing in the big leagues right away. Yep. 
What? All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Give me one word to describe Adam Gase's press conference. I'll start. Meth. <laughs> Come on. Gas station speed. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Can you say that? You can't say that. Can I gas station speed? I can say that. I can say whatever. I don't think he was on gas station speed. I think he probably drank a bunch of coffee before he went up there. That's all that happened. I'll say memorable. <laughs> I'll go with memorable. I'll say I'll say how about I'll a different word. I'll go eyeful. What was I mean, what was happening up there? I mean what I, is going on? That was wild. I, I like Gase. I think he'll be a good coach. But you can't like optics matter in the NFL and in life in 2018, and you can't do that when you get on the on the, on the stage for the Jets press conference. He's going to get in a fight with like Manish Mehta at some point in the in the regular season next year. Yeah, I mean, it could be Greg Williams. That could be a long one. Yeah, so Greg. Yeah, I think Greg Williams. It sounds like Greg Williams is going to be the DC there, right? It's very close. As we're talking, it's very likely. I don't. I don't think he's going to make that trip to Washington. I, I think he's going to end up sticking with the Jets here. Um, but again, that could be a little bit dated by the time this comes out. But yeah, uh, look, he he. I, I've always said I thought Adam his on his second head coaching job would have a chance to be really special, and we're going to find out. He's got the quarterback, he's got some receivers, and he's got some speed. And and you saw what he did, you know, with Albert Wilson and some of these guys in Miami without a, a real quarterback. So um, I, I think he's got some pieces to play with, and. New England can't do this forever, right? So, yeah, I think I think he's got a chance to make it work. I think Adam's very bright, very driven. Um, uh, he he. I, I, look, I I think he's got an an absolute chance to be a winning head coach in New York, and I think very highly of his abilities. And you know, we're we're going to find out. Like that's that's a team that's going to be expected to start making strides next year. Um, and not just on offense, but both sides of the ball. So um, we'll see the totality of the staff that he brings in. They obviously have a lot of money they want to spend in free agency. I've spent a couple of days this week looking over this free agent class time and time again. <laughs> Good luck spending it. It's, it's not not great, Bob. <laughs> oh, every year it gets worse. I mean, every year. That's just the nature of the CBA. It gets markedly worse. Yeah. And, you know. Once you got the franchise tag factored in and, you know, the four or five guys who end up signing mega extensions before the market with their regular, you know, with their current teams, it's it's just going to be slim pickings. But we'll see. I'm sure they'll be trying to be creative with trades and stuff like that. I mean, I give the Jets a lot of credit for that. It didn't work out. And they made the Bridgewater trade, which was a smart signing for them. Excuse me for them. But, you know, they were trying to trade for Fowler. Before the season started, they were trying to trade for, you know, different guys at different times that they thought could give them some pass rush, and it may require a trade, or or just blowing it out, blowing it out for D Ford mm. if he doesn't get tagged, which I, I could see them doing. All right. It's Jason Lacafora, the one, the only. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Lacafora. Watch him on the NFL Today. Nice and warm in the studio next week. Uh, before yeah, they do keep that studio a little chilly, but definitely I'll, I will take that, <laughs> take that over the sidelines at Arrowhead. Yes. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good, bud. Thank you.